Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. An absolutely bizarre night in the NBA playoffs, and you know it's going to be a really good weekend, and we have got it all for you on Greeny on ESPN Radio. Chris Carlin, Chris Canty in for Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. What up? What's up, big fella? How you doing? Oh, I feel like $100, All right. and I'm ready to go. I would say I feel like $100, but I don't want to take the pay cut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I feel, I tell you what, I feel a whole lot better today than the Minnesota Timberwolves do today. Ooh, and that yeah. is where we start rolling. Here we go! Go, go! Only one place to start. Let's get to some Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. A 26-point lead blown last night. That was an absolute embarrassment that happened to the Timberwolves at home against the Grizzlies when they were in control and a 21-0 run at one point for the Memphis Grizzlies and John Morant. And uh, I'm sorry, you know, you have a loss like that. That is not one that you recover from easily. And I was super impressed with the T-Wolves getting to this point. But I'm sorry. Maybe I'm overstating it. I don't know how you bounce back from it. No, I don't know how you bounce back either. And the answer isn't what Carl Anthony Towns said in his post-game press conference, that he's going to go home and have a glass of wine and try to get past it. Who are you, LeBron James? Stop yourself. <laughs> that, that's not the way to do it. But, I mean, listen, we talked about it going into game two, how the energy, the enthusiasm, the overall effort level from the Memphis Grizzlies had to be better. And I think Carlin game one was a product of them simply not being ready to go, not being ready for playoff intensity, the speed of the game picking up. Remember, the Minnesota Timberwolves were in the play-in tournament. They actually had that taste playing against the L.A. Clippers at home, and you saw the energy that they played with. You saw how Pat Beverly jumped on the scores table and celebrated. So I just don't think that Memphis was prepared going into game one, but we've seen them bounce back nicely in game two, and then obviously what we saw last night, coming back from down 26 in that game, and Ja Morant was just spectacular. Did everything for the Memphis Grizzlies. A 16-point triple-double. Can't say enough about that young man and how he's played the last two ballgames. And Brandon Clark just absolutely rattled, I thought, the Timberwolves throughout the second half of that game with how he played, especially on the defensive end. Here is Towns after the game on... What happens next? Got to work through the adversity. Honestly, that's really it. Uh, just stay with each other. Like I said before, stick with each other. Stick with God is here. Believe in what we've done all year and, and continue to believe in it through ups and downs like this. You know, this one hurts. It hurts a lot. But um, I think we've had games this year that we've all seen that those those losses hurt and we bounce back. So hopefully, you know, I hope that we could do the same thing but right now. Is, Chris, when we talked about this the other day, uh, the idea of – the Grizzlies being in some real trouble and how they were going to respond. They lost game two, but last night, that is a moment. That is a moment for a guy like John Morant. You talk about everything he did, the grander scheme. When you look back on Morant, that's one of those games like you could say, maybe not at the same level, but it's like the Craig Elo shot for Jordan. Similarly, when you're in a game like that and you come from behind and you win it, your first big playoff moment. No doubt about it, and it gives you all the confidence in the world because let's also keep this in mind. The Memphis Grizzlies, although they were in the playoffs last year, vastly different expectations for them coming into the playoffs this year. The second-best record in the conference, second-best record in the entire NBA. There's a target on them in this postseason. Remember, Jay Williams, our very own Jay Williams from KJM, 
picked the Memphis Grizzlies to go to the NBA Finals. So everybody is going to give Memphis their best shot. They weren't ready for it early on in this series, but it seems like they're ready for it now. And the thing that impresses me the most, Carlin, is that they were able to weather the storm last night. They took the best punch that the Minnesota yep. Timberwolves had to give. You heard it in the mic'd up with Pat Beverly, him saying, oh, they're in Minnesota now. It's going to be different. It's going to be different. Nope. Put away it's, the, not, it's not different. Put away the Vertonghi road, Pat Beverly. Exactly. <laughs> Memphis is just a better team, and they're going to play like it. By, by the way, are the Nuggets, are, are they even going to put up a fight at this point? I know they did the best they could, but as we shift into what happened, as the Warriors go up three games to none, if you're going to be the MVP of the league, you're going to go out without one win in the series. And I trust me, we've all heard about what the Nuggets don't have, Chris. We have all heard about Jamal Murray and such. I, I don't care. You cannot go down this quietly if you're Nikola Jokic and company. No, you can't. And Jokic is on a seven-game playoff losing streak. Remember, he got swept last year in the second round by the Phoenix Suns. At some point, is the MVP going to stand up? And we're talking about this dude potentially winning back-to-back MVPs. There's only been 12 people in the history of the NBA to do it. Okay, and outside of Steve Nash, Jokic's name does not belong anywhere near that list in terms of the caliber of player. And those guys would not allow what's happening to Denver right now against Golden State to happen. And so, yeah, I'm with you. I don't expect that the Denver Nuggets are going to be able to win this series, but can you at least make it a gentleman sweep? Can you at least push it to a game six? It doesn't feel like we're in store for that with this series. I know that we got to give credit to the Golden State Warriors because they're playing their tails off. But this is also an indictment on Nikola Jokic. You know what, Chris? As far as the Warriors, I've been thinking a lot about what you said. You picked them to go to the finals. Yeah. And feel real good about that pick right now. You should. Yeah. And this is going to be potentially the third different iteration of this Warriors run over an eight, nine year period that could go win a championship. Because, you know, first time around, it was. Iguodala's the MVP of the, of the finals, and it's pre-Durant. Mm-hmm. And then Durant comes, and they get two more. And now you have Jordan Poole, who has come into that next role, and you talk about consistent, 30, 29, 27. This guy has been more than a role player. He has been that third guy as a star. Aside from Draymond and what he does, he has been that third guy as a star for this team. No doubt about it. And to me, that's what they needed to happen with Jordan Poole. They were looking for that young, athletic wing player that could step in and supplement the scoring that you get from Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, and they finally found it. They thought it was going to be Andrew Wiggins a couple of years ago, and not to say that Wiggins hasn't played great because he averaged 17.5 points per game, but Jordan Poole is the guy that nobody could account for, but I think you have to give credit to Bob Myers, Steve Kerr, and the Golden State Warriors organization for their player development. Because you're talking about Jordan Poole a couple of years ago being in the G League, and now this guy has averaged, what, 27, 28 points per game in this series? So it's really impressive to see what he does. But you got so many guys that can contribute, that can score, athletic players, GP2, uh, when you look at it, Kuminga, Otto Porter Jr. you got so many guys, two through four, that can step in, they and come in waves and give you huge contributions, not to mention knock down outside shots. So that forces defenses in the half court to extend, and that creates a lot of room for guys to be able to get into the paint and get easy shots. So 
It's a tough formula in terms of what this Golden State Warriors offense is bringing to the table. We know how good their defense they are defensively. But if they continue to play like this offensively, I mean, the league might as well ship the Larry O trophy out to the Bay Area right now. Steph, 77 points in 75 minutes Ooh. off the bench. Yeah, he's in the zone last night. In the zone brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Canty and Carlin in for Grinny on ESPN Radio. And then we move forward to the weekend. And most notably, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and the Nets return home licking their wounds down two games to none to the Celtics. I thought this was very interesting from Grinny yesterday. And it was it, it is something that is not being talked about enough. And that is the fact that... Steve Nash, I don't even know if he's shown up for the series. I don't believe the Nets are being coached. I don't understand what's going on out there. And maybe that's their own choosing. Katie and Kyrie made it pretty clear they didn't want to be coached, and they're not being coached. Because I don't see a single adjustment. I don't see a single play being run. I don't see them doing any of the things that were working early in that game as soon as Boston made an adjustment on the defensive end. I don't see them finding ways to get guys cutting to the basket and throwing up lobs when they get the doubles that come every now and again. I don't see any opportunities for Patty Mills and Seth Curry and all these guys, Drogic, all these guys who can shoot threes to spread the floor. They are playing right into the Celtics' hands. They have, to this point, done nothing that I can identify to adjust to what is being done. So if this is a chess match, and thus far, again, all the Celtics have really done, as dramatic as it has been, is hold serve. As the Nets go home, Steve Nash, it's your move. Yeah, but Adoka, who was Nash's assistant, has blown him out of the water in this series. And it's nice that they wanted Steve Nash to be the coach, but all you wanted at that point was somebody to carry the water, it looks like. Is Steve Nash any better than Paul Westhead from Winning Time? You know, the assistant yeah. Lakers I coach mean, under point. Jack McKinney. Like, I, don't, feels, I don't know if Steve Nash is going to be quoting Shakespeare anytime soon no, like Westhead but, was. But, but essentially all he's doing is clapping and trying to encourage his guys rather than coming up with a game plan, some X's and O's, to help Kevin Durant start to pick it up a little bit. I mean, yeah. that's what you have to do. And then beyond that, Carlin, I think the other sneaky thing that we have to watch in this series is how the accumulation of minutes starts to affect KD and Kyrie. One of the things we talked about all season long Especially was how bad Steve Nash was with managing his rotation and getting his starters out and allowing some of his bench guys to step in and steal minutes. He hasn't done a very good job of that. And you saw in game two what the Boston Celtics were able to do getting contributions off the bench, guys like Peyton Pritchard. I mean, you, you name it. They've got a ton of guys that they were relying on to give them valuable minutes. Stice, you, you, you name it. You can run down the list. Ime Udoka has done a great job of making sure he spells his stars, makes sure they're fresh and they're ready to go in those pivotal moments. And I don't think that Kyrie and Kevin Durant have that. And it's starting to show up at the most inopportune times in this series. Well, there's nobody else that's picking them up so to speak. There's nobody else who's really giving them big enough contributions. And specifically down the stretch of the season, just to get that seven spot, yep. those guys are playing 42, 43 minutes a game. Yep. And that is going to show up at some point when you are not 23 years old anymore. This has been Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Chris Carlin, Chris Canty in for Graney. By the way, Canty and Carlin begins Monday on ESPN Radio, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Make sure you are locked in for that on ESPN Plus as well. And Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Commercial Insurance protects small businesses with affordable coverage options. Quote today at ProgressiveCommercial.com. 
Com. Next, uh, so much more on this Net Celtic series. And there are so many different aspects of it to attack, but one specifically that my partner came up with this morning, which is an excellent question we will answer in just moments. Was James Harden justified in getting his way out of Brooklyn? It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny next on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Durant, left to right, lost a handle. Turnover, Brooklyn. Six turnovers for Kevin Durant. Your defense, JT, was unbelievable. You made Kevin and Kyrie work so hard. You know, those are two of the best scores in the world. Our goal is just to can't give them no easy looks, make them feel comfortable. This is going to be a long night. That's been a couple of long ones already for yeah. Durant, to say the least. Chris Carlin, Chris Canty in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. I, I almost feel bad for Durant with how... Stop physical. yourself. No, 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 no. I, We're not going to do that. In this moment, because I'll no. give it to him. He's not making excuses, but I'll, I'll give it to him. He is getting knocked around the place, and they are doing everything possible to deny the basketball to him. And I, I don't know how you could be expected to score with what they're doing to him. But it just brings up the point of where is everybody else, including Kyrie, the other day? Where are they? No, it's a great question that you asked, but here's why I don't feel bad for Kevin Durant. He left a better basketball situation three years ago. In the grand scheme, I don't feel bad. No, exactly. You left Steve Kerr, you left Steph Curry, you left Clay, Draymond, the Golden State Warriors organization, because you said what you were going to set up in Brooklyn was going to ultimately be better. And it was going to be yours, right down to who's going to be your head coach and who's going to be your your number two guy, Kyrie Irving, and you decided that Steve Nash was the guy that was going to be able to orchestrate it all. And it hasn't worked out. 
Now, to your point, I think Boston has done some some incredible things in terms of how they're defending him. First of all, by just denying him the basketball, not letting him get it, vicing him in pick-and-roll situations. They try to blitz him every chance that they get, and then just playing physical with him, the nudges, pushing him off his spots, not allowing him to get to his spots. And when he goes for those fadeaways or for those jumpers, all of those shots are contested. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, both of those guys have blocked a few of those shots. So to me – it is a team effort when it comes to Boston. They're throwing a lot of different bodies at KD and a lot of different guys that defend different ways. Another part, another part of the, mat, the Nash frustration, I said this right after game one, if you don't come out and you're the head coach and immediately start saying something publicly, hammering the officiating, take the fine, deal with it, so that your superstar player, like part... You have very little to do, as we have established in this series. <laughs> One of the things that you have to do is to make sure it's at least going to get officiated a little bit differently than it did in Game 1, and he did none of that in Game 2, and now it feels like if he says something, it's almost too little too late to try to get something done because and, his guy's getting pounded. No question, but that could actually work against you too, right? And then let's also remember that Boston's reputation coming into this series was being one of the best defensive teams in the league. So the lefts, the refs are going to allow them to have a certain degree of leeway. Now, I'll admit, some of the pushing that you're getting from Grant Williams and Al Horford and Jason Tatum, it can be excessive, but the refs have shown, not just in this series, but across all the playoff series, that they're going to let these guys determine the outcome of the game. It's not going to be because of the refs' whistle. So how does Durant handle Game 3? Here's Shaq. NBA on TNT on the NBA Today, checking in with his advice for Durant in Game 3. Well, you must have to understand that when you're a prolific scorer like Kevin Durant, the defense never shuts you down. Mm. They can throw a lot of things at you. That's the mentality we have. So he's saying, hey, I had a bad game. But guess what? I'm about to go to my crib, sleep in my bed. My mama going to come over and cook some hot fried chicken and macaroni. <laughs> my fans going to be behind me. And it's going to be cracking. And then another way we think is we never want to have two bad games in a row. So, you know, listen, he's a scorer. He's a shooter. I could never give him advice. But I wouldn't say they shut him down. Like, look, defense, too, they threw two and three guys at him. A lot of times we've seen him hit those shots over his career. Just wasn't falling last night. So I'm sure his mentality is I just didn't make shots. Not, oh, the defense stopped me. Can it be just that? Can it be I just didn't make shots? That does have to be the mentality when you're supposed to be the best player in the league. Yeah, that has to be the mentality, but your coach has got to help you out with that, right? You've got to get him going earlier in the game, more sets in the half-court offense, being able to run him off of screens, not allowing him, not having to make him or not forcing him to create everything that he has off the bounce. Being able to run him off of screens, catch and shoot opportunities. Kevin Durant is one of the best shooters in the entire league. He's one of the best scorers in the history of the game. Have him off of the ball, allow him to have some sets where he can come off some screens, catch and shoot opportunities so he can get into a rhythm earlier in the game. And maybe it looks a little different in terms of how he attacks the different things that the Boston defense is throwing at him. Because you got to remember, Kevin Durant is a basketball savant. He's going to figure it out eventually. What you're hoping if you're Steve Nash and the Brooklyn Nets is that the series is not over when he does figure it out. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. It's time to say goodnight to that check engine light with the free AutoZone Fix Finder service. It'll help troubleshoot the likely cause of your light for free so you can drive with peace of mind. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. AutoZone. 
you posed this question before the show earlier today, and I'm having trouble arguing with it, even though I hate the way all of it went down. Is James Harden now vindicated for getting out of Brooklyn? Because his main reason to get out was because of Kyrie Irving. He didn't know what to think, as you have pointed out many times, in regards to his vaccination and how that was going to play out. And for me, getting his way out that quickly out of that situation, you got to wait that out a little bit more than he did. But we look where the Sixers are right now, and you look where the Nets are right now. I mean, this could turn into a disaster if the Nets were to lose tomorrow and get swept. Does this now vindicate Harden? Uh, he's not there yet, but he's well on his way. Because if the Nets lose round one and, and the Sixers move on, does that do it? Yeah, I think you're moving closer to that point. I would feel better, I would say it with my chest, if Philly found themselves in the conference title game, because a t- conference title series, because that would mean they would have beaten the Toronto Raptors, who a lot of people picked to upset them in the first round. That would mean they would have beaten the Miami Heat, who is the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. And then you're talking about them matching up with whoever makes it from that other side of the bracket. So, yeah, I, I think that if the Brooklyn Nets get bounced in the first round and Philly continues to advance to, say, a conference finals, then he's absolutely validated because James Harden came to Brooklyn in order to compete for a championship. And it's hard to do that when one of the key cogs in Kyrie, the guy that you're supposed to be relying on, has proven himself to be unreliable. And, Carla, it's not just this year. Even going back to last year, he went AWOL. He went missing for two weeks. Nobody knew where he was. How can you rely on a guy like that to help you win a championship when he's not accountable to the team? Are you talking about Harden or Durant right now? Because he could be either guy. Well, at least Kevin Durant is going to show up. Well, no, but I mean, but I mean, how can you rely on 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 Kyrie at that point? But for Harden, I can't say it vindicates him until he actually wins a championship. No, You, you, you say he went to compete for one. I say he went to win one. And he hasn't done that yet. And that is a big, big empty space on his resume right now. And if he pushed the envelope and wanted to get out probably sooner than he anticipated, maybe he pushed the panic button a little too soon. I get it. Kyrie's unpredictable. That's a major issue. But until he wins one, I can't say it was the right decision because I'm still going to believe that that combination is stronger than the combination he has in Philly until they show me different. But that combination hasn't been able to stay healthy. That but it, combination but, hasn't been able to be together for various reasons. You saw it last But if Harden year. was still there, wouldn't they be yeah, in a but, better but you, position? But you're, but you're making the assumption that everything is going to be okay, that it's not going to be a health issue, that it's not going to be Kyrie prioritizing something over basketball at that given point in time. And what I'm telling you is James Harden decided he was going to get off the roller coaster. I'm tired of doing that. I'm going to go down to Philly with somebody that is going to lead, that's going to be the league's leader in scoring, somebody that's going to be top two in the MVP conversation. I'll go down and run with him. And, oh, by the way, I got a coach that's already won a championship in Doc Rivers. Let me go to that situation because I don't have time to waste. If we look at James Harden's game right now, this ain't the same guy that we saw three years ago down in Houston. So I can understand in his mind why he would have more urgency to get this done now. I get why he doesn't want to wait. 
Kyrie and KD, they got time to wait because they both got championships. James Harden doesn't have it. So even though you might not like the way that he forced his way out of Houston or how he forced his way out of Brooklyn, I will and say— And who he forced out of Houston and, before and, that. And what I, will, what I will say is I applaud the player— for wanting to get to a situation that you believe gives you the best chance to compete for a championship. Because, Carlin, that's what it's all about. Hermet would say it a long time ago. Yeah. You play to win the games. You play to win championships. And that's what James Harden did. I don't fault him for making that decision. I don't like how he did it, but I understand why he did it. Well, with that in mind, this is where Durant's legacy is very much on the line. And if they lose this year in the first round, and you look at what's happened in Brooklyn so far, there's no question he left a much better basketball situation. But if you're going to try to pretend to me, Canty, that somehow coming to Brooklyn, it was more important for his legacy to go somewhere else and then win on his own as being the guy, well, I think that's garbage. I, I think that's complete garbage. And now, you just, I I can't blame anybody but Durant for not knowing better than to trust Kyrie. Kyrie has always been a somewhat unpredictable guy. And he has fully seen that up close and personal. The the thing last year bothers me even more than the one this year. When Mm. you just decide, I'm taking off for a few weeks and that's it. Because clearly, so far, your whole idea is, of just show up for the playoffs and we'll be fine. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't work. No, it hadn't worked. And think about it. In year one, they got bounced in the first round. Now Kevin Durant wasn't playing, but Kyrie was around that season. They got bounced in the first round. Year two, they get bounced in the second round. Year three, if you get bounced in the first round, I mean, I don't know how you could call it anything but an abject failure. I, I don't see this being anything but an absolute disaster in Brooklyn at this point. Well, that's my point. And so when it comes, to the, deci- is no ch- when it no comes to the decision about Kevin Durant leaving Golden State, it was the wrong decision, Carlin, because the same reason I'm praising James Harden for wanting to try to get somewhere to win championships, KD was actually in a place where he was winning championships. And who knows how that series turns out if he doesn't pop his Achilles and Klay Thompson doesn't tear his ACL against Toronto. Who knows how that ends? So my whole point is this. You had an opportunity to win multiple championships beyond what you had already accomplished in Golden State. You were the best player on that team. Everybody, including Steph Curry, deferred to you when you were a member of that team. So what that that's not going to be the house that that Kevin Durant built, that new arena, the Chase Center in in San Francisco? Who cares about that if you're winning championships? I love players that prioritize championships and winning at the highest level over everything else. That was clearly not the decision that Kevin Durant made, and that's why I think he opens the door to a whole lot of criticism if Brooklyn can't get things turned around quickly. In just 30 seconds, we get to the segment everybody waits for. Who you got? That in just moments. With Bubba. Mark Cuban, love love him or hate him, he is a game changer. Take the Mavs only two losing seasons or him turning 10 grand into 5 billion. He sees ahead of the curve, literally a baller. So when you watch Mark Cuban make a move, you pay attention. He's found a new market with a global value of $1.7 trillion. Here's the cool thing. We can all get a piece of the action. Up until now, it's been locked off only for billionaires, but now all we need is a smartphone. It's not betting. This is way more impactful. Check it out. It's called 
Masterworks. They've already got over 360,000 members on their platform ahead of the curve, just like Mark Cuban. Our listeners get priority access so they can skip their wait list. Just go to masterworks.io, enter promo code GREENY, see important regulation A disclosures at masterworks.io slash CD. That's masterworks.io, promo code GREENY, masterworks.io, promo code GREENY. No guarantee of profits and investing includes risk. Yes, it is that time once again where we turn it over to the dean, some say, of the hashtag crew, Bubba, who is ready. Life is a series of choices. Who you got? Make a decision. Say it! Say it! All right, I'll say it. Who you got? Ah, Bubba, the floor is yours. Finally, I mean, all right. it took oh, you a little while to get to me here. About airtime. <laughs> okay. We got to move through quickly here. Let's get moving. Oh, so, such a tone. What would be the bigger disappointment overall? Jazz losing to a Luka-less Mavs team, Nuggets getting swept, or the seven-seeded Nets failing to advance past Boston? Who you got? You go first. I'm going to say the Nets not getting past yeah. Boston. And that Mavs, that, yeah. that Mavs, Utah series is close, but I will say Brooklyn not being able to get past Boston. I'm sticking by that, too, because I'm the one that said Brooklyn even making the playoffs, even if they lose, especially if they lose in the first round, it's worse than what happened to the Lakers this year. So I will stick with Brooklyn. Bubba, next. All right, when we, when we all look back on the playoffs, which injury is going to be the bigger story of this whole playoffs? Will it be Devin Booker, Chris Middleton, or will it be Luka? Who you got? Middleton. I'm going to say Devin Booker. Middleton and Giannis already got their championship. Chris Paul doesn't have his. Mm-hmm. Devin Booker doesn't have his. I mean, you could be talking about a very real scenario where they don't make it out of this series against the Pelicans, as good as Brandon Ingram is playing. So, yeah, I think Devin Booker's injury is going to be the biggest story throughout the postseason. I'll take Middleton just because it's a chance to go back-to-back. Special teams do that, and this now removes that possibility. Even if they get through this series, I don't think Middleton's back anytime soon. Same thing with Booker. I think it hurts both of them dramatically. So tomorrow from England, 2 p.m. Eastern, ESPN Plus, pay-per-view, order it up. Tyson Fury, Dylan White, who you got in this one? Got to go with the big man. Got to go with the big man. How could you not go with the other ball guy? (laughs) Not not surprised Carlin would go that way. I'm I'm going Tyson Fury, too. Come on, man. He came in this morning at a svelte uh, svelte 267. He's the best heavyweight boxer on the planet, man. Tyson Fury. Give me Tyson Fury. I'm with you. And again, that's on ESPN Plus pay-per-view tomorrow. Weird game strong by Tyson Fury, too. Look at that. Very strong. Outstanding. I don't want to tell you. You've got to work on your beard game. Yeah, it's not good. We're a bearded show. We pride ourselves. I know, but it's it's not a good scene. (laughs) Go ahead, Bubba. Next. Uh, Speaking of boxing, I assume you saw Mike Tyson punch a guy (sighs) on the plane the other day, but this guy is just harassing Tyson all flight. I assume we're all on Tyson's side here, right? I mean, the guy deserved it. That was absurd. We're all supporting Mike Tyson here. Who you got? Look, Mike did everything he could to not beat this guy (laughs) for a while. I... You know what I I thought? Like, is that guy Johnny Knoxville in, like, some sort of a disguise? Yeah, and this is, is like, the next punk? jackass? Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what I thought because he just kept going at Mike Tyson, and it feels like something that you would do if you were in the next jackass movie. Yeah, this guy is certainly bruising, uh, cruising for a bruising in this situation. And Mike Tyson gave it to him. But, yeah, we're, we're Team Tyson on this one. I'm not mad that he decided to play Mike Tyson's punch out at 35,000 feet. 
Oh, my goodness. He did look like Glass Joe there. Yeah, he felt <laughs> like it. Exactly. <laughs> Next. <laughs> All right. So you got a little trivia here. Do you know yesterday was National High Five Day? And do you know who the first high five is credited to? The first high five is yes. credited to? Yes. Uh, I do not. Why would, I, don't, I don't know. I have Christopher no Columbus? I, I don't know. <laughs> That's no ridiculous. Clue. What do you got? It was... October 2nd, 1977, last day of the regular season. Dusty Baker hits a home run, his 30th of the year. The Dodgers become the first team to have four players with uh, 30 home runs. Glenn Burke is on deck. He has his hand raised up. Dusty Baker doesn't know what to do. He just goes up and hits it. That's the first time anyone ever has a high five. Dusty Baker is the first person to ever do a high five. Before that, no one they weren't celebrating doing that. Can you imagine being the first person to be like, hey, high yeah, five. There you go. You're an innovator. It's not the first for Dusty Baker. And he's, no, it's not. It's not the first first for Dusty Baker. No. And I would have never got that, though. Uh, me neither. Never got that. Like, I almost thought it was uh, did, with Jesus. Was he, yeah. Did he high five? Benjamin, Fr- guess, Benjamin Franklin, Columbus. you invented everything else. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Columbus was just high fiving when they saw land? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did it. it. <laughs> <laughs> we got it. Love it. Well uh, done, so we got one more for you here. Go. Because today is National Earth Day. Great day to celebrate. Love Earth. Mm-hmm. So where would you travel to if you could pick anywhere on said planet? Where would you like to go? Who you got? Bubba, a big Earth guy. Oh, uh, love Earth. Uh, yeah, sounds like it. Big Earth guy. Where are you going, Carlin? I'm going to the Greek islands. How about that? I like Santorini, it. Santorini, something like that. Okay. Mykonos, yeah. I've no, yeah, no. never been there. It looks pretty cool. So, yeah. Or Italy. Stay. Or not, it, like, you know, Italy. Italy. You definitely do. Amalfi Coast. Yeah, I've you been there. I've been to Italy. I have not been to the Amalfi, Amalfi Coast. Amalfi Coast. Do yeah. yourself a favor. Check that out. Yeah. Um, Bubba, I am not that creative, but I'm going to go with where my fiance planned our honeymoon to, oh, and on. that would be Safari in Botswana and then Cape Town, South Africa. Ooh. Yeah. All yeah. Right. A little luxury See, Safari. That, what you did there, Lions twofold. Answer the question, score points. Well you, ha- you have to. He right? knows. You absolutely have to. You are learning. You are learning. Solid game plan, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Bubba, an outstanding, outstanding performance on who you got. What else? High fives all around. High fives all around. Not the high one that Kyrie gave the Boston fans. <laughs> Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like For the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. 
Debo Samuel wants to be done with San Francisco. Per our very own Jeff Darlington, he spoke to Debo Samuel and he said that he has asked the 49ers to trade him. We are smelling trouble for the San Francisco 49ers <laughs> because we got the reports that they were willing to pay him and maybe Debo was like, nah, I'm good. Debo wants to go somewhere else. There should be more than enough teams that are interested in him. And the Jets are definitely one of them. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Chris Carlin, Chris Canty, in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. If I'm the Jets, I'm making that happen. And I know I said this before about Tyreek Hill, but... I. As much as I understand they want to pick somebody early, it's worth it to go get one of these kind of guys to just simply make the development of Zach Wilson a little bit easier. I've got Elijah Moore in his second year. I don't know, unless you tell me Jamar Chase is in the draft, that I want another first-year receiver because of the learning curve. Well, you don't know what that receiver is going to be, right? We've yeah. seen receivers in the last couple of years come into the league and set the world on fire, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson the year before that. But there's no guarantee that you're going to get that dude. So this, to me, going after a guy like Debo Samuel is a way to mitigate the risk that comes along with taking a receiver in a draft class. You're, you're paying a premium to get a known quantity. And while you have a rookie quarterback that's on a rookie deal, it makes sense to make a move like this especially with the draft capital that the Jets have. Even if they were to fork over the number 10 overall pick, Carlin, which I think is really rich, you're still talking about them having three more picks in the top 38. Yeah. You're fine. You you have other resources to be able to flesh out the rest of your roster and bring in talent on controllable costs. So I'm with you. I don't want to try to develop another wide receiver while I'm developing a franchise quarterback. Give me the guy that can dictate front and coverage to the opposing defense to clean up the picture for my quarterback at the line of scrimmage before he snaps the ball. Give me the guy that can take a five-yard slant and turn it into a 75-yard touchdown. Give me the guy that you can raise up as a quarterback, throw a smoke out there on the perimeter, and he can go get you a first down. Give me that dude. That's who Debo Samuel is. And look, Joe Douglas obviously couldn't say anything specific to Debo Samuel yesterday, but he in essence said that. Chris, what you're describing is the guy that keeps defensive coordinators up at night. The Jets haven't had that in forever. Forever. And if you're truly going to believe in Wilson, who, you know, for, for just talking to people, like there was definitely some maturing that had to happen here in, in all the leadership role and all those kinds of things. If, if you're Zach Wilson and you have that, that's going to do nothing but speed up your progression. And you've got other guys, you know, a veteran in Davis, Moore who's a threat, Berrios who has done a nice job. Like, that's a lot to work with. No, it is a lot to work with. But the thing I love about Debo is his versatility. To me, that's his biggest dominant trait. The ability to be able to line him up as an X, as a Z, as a slot. You can put him in the backfield as a running back. You can do anything you want to do with him. The only question that you have to ask yourself, Carlin, is does Debo Samuel want to sign up for a similar role in New York 
that he had in San Francisco, given the relationship between Mike LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan. I got to promise him I'm not going to give him 60 carries, though. Don't I? At some point. That's that's a lot. That's what I'm saying. That's the thing that we don't know about whether or not Debo Samuel would be on board with that. It is a fascinating situation to watch play out over the next week. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.